0: I want to first say thank you for allowing me to come back and speak behind your pulpit from the last time I was here. It's uh, amazing to have this opportunity, and to be honest, this is the first time I've ever preached behind a pulpit, and so uh, please bear with me on this. I would never have thought as a little kid walking up and down this aisle, as Mom and I were talking a little bit ago, that I would actually be preaching behind this pulpit, and um, I hope that the message that I prayed about on what to preach today comes through, is carried out, and God's will is done for this. I first want to ask you, have you had a difficult time in your life? A time of concern? A time of not knowing where life was leading you? a loss of a loved one, your health deteriorating, a loss of a job, unemployment, financial ruin on your doorstep, and not knowing what to do. I can say that with all certainty that every one of us have had something like that or something similar in our past, if not multiple times. And I hope that during that time, That you've had someone give you words of encouragement. Something that that said, uh, put their hand on your shoulder to help lift you up through those hard times. And today, in our society, in our world, I think each one of us has concern over what tomorrow means. Whether it is with finances whether it is with things on their shelves, whether it is with political turmoil, and wondering where do we as Christians fall in line with this? How do we react to a troubling world that's changing rapidly? This is what was going on in Asia Minor, and we're going to read today from 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, 3 through 7. And to give you a little background on this, 1 Peter, Peter is writing a letter of encouragement to these Christians, followers of Christ. And there's some debate whether or not they're all uh, diaspora Jewish people who have been converted. There's uh, a good sense that more than likely that these were um, Gentiles that had converted to Christians. But either way, they were being Uh, starting to feel the first onslaught of persecution because of their faith. And we're Asia Minor, uh, That what Peter talks about, these different places, because the letter was written to not just one church or one person. It was meant to be carried out to a group of churches. This was meant to be shared because this was a persecution that was light. It was starting to be felt by all of these different believers in a time where they, in their culture, they were starting to make a difference. They were starting to stand out because of their cultural norms, the way the society around them wanted them to be. And it was very legal because they weren't following culture norms to have be uh, persecuted, have judgments against them, to have land taken away from them, make them to where they couldn't do business with one another. And this was the beginning of even harsher turmoil. This is about a year or two before Emperor Nero started persecuting and killing Christians. And this was a needed letter of encouragement. The entire 1 Peter it is all about encouragement and living as Christians, being Christ-like character when the world is against you. And... As we read through this, I want you to think about that. What does it mean to be a Christian in a troubled world? Where, where do we get that hope? And as we read uh, today, like I said, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, just so that you know which version I'm coming from on this. Starts out, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for, sa- for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, May result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Beloved Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the words that you've put in Scripture for us to lean upon, to guide us each day. And we uplift your word, O oh Lord. That as we leave these walls, that we have a new hope, a new beginning. Guide us, O oh Lord. As we learn your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, first P, uh, Peter here in this letter is all about encouragement. And he's not overlooking the struggles that they're having. He's not making light of it. But what he is doing, he's remind it's a reminder of hope and protection. They needed to, to know who and whose they were, and then face their situation from that vantage point. They needed to remember who they were and whose they were. That's a key distinction. We're going to go back to that here in just a moment. But as we walk through the scripture, blessed be the God. You can find some, that phrase all throughout the Old Testament. It is a time of worship. It is a time of praise. It's acknowledging who our God is and that blessed be his name. One thing that Peter has done, though, he has put a name upon that blessing. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything from the New Testament focuses around our Lord Jesus Christ. And as, a, as Peter keeps working through this, It's all about the Lord. It is not about us. It's not about our situation. And because of this, this gift of our Lord, because of his great mercy, mercy is something that that many of us, uh, especially us boys, if we were kids, we used to play a game called mercy. If you remember that, you had your hands and you see who would claim mercy, who would give in. And Mercy, and I know the King James calls it abundant mercy. It is great mercy. It's mercy that we are undeserving. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And that is great blessing to us, that Peter is reminding those who are being tormented, those who are being chastised for their faith in Christ. But he goes on. He says, and these are the two things to remember at this point, he has given us new hope and a a, a new birth and a living hope. Do you realize that he has given it to us? It is not something that we have earned. It is not something that we had to, to check off boxes to show completion, to gain access to this new birth and living hope. It is something that our Lord willingly gives us, it is nothing about us. And it's all about him. We have to remind ourselves, as we were talking in our Sunday school class, that we have to be very careful as Christians not to, to fall susceptible to the world of selfishness. And to, to remember that it is our God that we serve. It is our God that, that we find our hope and promise in. And he says that we have a new birth, the great evangelist Billy Graham back in the 70s and 80s is born again. We are born again. And that, that is something true, that we are born again. It is nothing that we do. We have lost our, our path. And, and that new birth is, is, is because of Jesus. And, and this is all about him. That, that sentence that I, that I just read there. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That one statement is the gospel in a nutshell. It is what we need to lean upon when we share people with why we have a different belief than the world. That through his resurrection, we have a new beginning. We have a new hope for that. For Christ is risen. Mankind is restored for those who place all faith in him. It's not about us. It's about him. And that's what we have to always keep our mind off of is what our situation is and keeping our eye on the prize. How many of you have ever seen the movie um, Stand By Me? It has these little boys uh, uh, who are just friends and one kid who, who was a little heavier. They're trying to walk down the railroad tracks. And the chunky kid, he was walking fine. He didn't have any problem. He wasn't falling left or right on the railroad tracks. And all the other boys just kept watching her feet, looking down, and kept stumbling off to the left or right. He said, how are you doing that? I'm keeping my eye out there. I can't see my feet, so I'm watching out there. So he was able to stay in line. And that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to keep our eyes out in front, not down at our feet, not what's going on around us but to keep our hope and glory out in front. If you realize uh, where it says that new birth, that new creation there, mankind was the last thing God created in Genesis. And we were made in his image, made in the image of the creator. And upon that creation, God said it was very good. Not good, just like the other things of creation, very good. But then sin came in. And that image was broken, no longer reflecting the holiness of God. And though we were last to be created, we were the first ones to be restored because of our Lord. The first to be restored. That image, once we have faith in Him, that image bears is been restored. We now reflect our true, our true purpose. Our true purpose is to reflect who our Lord and Savior is, the holiness of God. And because of that, that's through Jesus, His death on the and sacrifice on the cross, and more. Is just as important is the the day that He rose from the grave, conquered death. We that we have the ability to be restored from uh, uh, our own sin. At that point, this this thing called a living hope is so different than the world defines hope. How many times have you heard, and and you may have said this too, I just don't feel hopeful today. I hope my team wins tonight. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I want to go to the beach. We have turned a godly word into a feeling and a wish. And this living hope that we have been promised when God says hope, when you see hope in scripture, it's not a wish. It is not a feeling. It is a confirmed promise. It is a fulfillment of what God's word means. It is what he says will happen. And that is the hope. It's, it's a fulfillment of a promise. So this living hope, what, why is that such a thing? When our, um, It's an unbreakable promise, an assurance that God's words will be fulfilled and never changing. Jesus, our Messiah, conquered death upon his resurrection. Our hope is anchored in the past on that day that he arose. And is living still today because he sits alive in heaven on the throne. That's the living hope that we get to see every day. That's the hope we as Christians need to uh, express every day than what the world looks like. When there's doom and gloom, we have a different hope. We are not chastised. We overcome. We're not fearful of the death that all of us are are expected to have because we escape the second death, our spirit. Because our Lord brings us to heaven because of our faith in him. It is a great thing to to rely upon this. And this is everything that's going through this that Peter is reminding them of. He hasn't dealt with their problem yet. He hasn't dealt with their situation. He's reminding them who you are and who we follow. It doesn't matter all these outside things. Yes, we have to deal with it. But keep anchored here in this living hope, this living promise of tomorrow. And, And it goes on. In verse 4, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. When we think of an inheritance, that's something that we gather because we're owed it. We expect it from our parents. In my travels, when I I used to travel uh, across the South doing laboratory work, working on equipment. I met a man, had dinner with him, he and his family, and he is a very nice man. Very, uh, If I remember right, he was a Christian, but getting into his story, he was an EMS, uh, uh, working with the ambulance service there in, uh, in Georgia. And he was telling me that he was originally from New York. His father was very wealthy, and his father had great plans for his son. Put him through college, and when he got out of college, he had met his wife, and he had the desire to become an EMT worker. And his father says, no, you're going to work where I said you're going to work, or you're not getting anything that I have. And he told his father, I can't do this. This is where I need to be. This is what I want to do is being this. His father took his inheritance away. He hadn't seen his father. His father wouldn't talk to him. He, lost, he, he says his father took away all the money that he was had. What was surprising was he told him that his father had uh, uh, like four or five uh, uh, tickets, uh, season tickets there at the uh, uh, Giants football stadium on the 50-yard line. And he said, that was going to go to me. And, I ha- and I'm, well, we'll never get it. And he says, it doesn't matter. It's not where I am. But this is the inheritance that, that here on earth, that when we think of an inheritance, that it could be taken away. Our family's fortune could be lost. Like many fortunes were lost during World War II, that families were decimated by it. Or back in 2008 from the financial crash that we had. Or even the inheritance that God promised Abraham for Israel, the land of Cana, that was an earthly inheritance that was promised, and it was kept by God but this inheritance that that Peter is talking about is a spiritual inheritance it's not going to be taken over by by it's not imperishable it's not undefiled or any of those things time cannot make it wither away nature cannot tarnish it nor can it be robbed or stolen it is protected in heaven and what is this inheritance it's nothing that we've done It's nothing that that we can gain back or earn again. It's something held there, protected, as if you read the next, kept in heaven for you so that even we don't get to damage it. Our Lord protects that inheritance, and it's it's our salvation. It's our... um, I'm going to forget my uh, sanctification. We are in the path of sanctification once we accept Christ. We're not perfect here on earth, but we're continually growing in our sanctification. It doesn't come complete until we stand before our Lord Christ. And that is the inheritance that waits for us. A completion of a promise made that we are kept whole. We are kept secure in all things. And God is keeping it on our behalf. These are all the things that Peter keeps reminding them. In these three or four different verses, it's the foundation for the entire letter for us to remind ourselves. And look at it. It goes from he kept it in heaven for you and on into verse five. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. You are being guarded. You think that you are alone, and you're not. You think that you're standing on a precipice waiting to fall over a cliff, and you're not. Your Lord is guarding you. It's not talking about health and wealth. That is a false teaching that this is meant to be a promise here on earth. In fact, if you look... In Matthew ten twenty two he says, You will be hate this is words of Jesus. He's letting us know what it means to follow him. He's letting it be known up front. He's not hiding it, he's not putting it into small letters on a contract. This is not hidden warranty or anything like that. This is being told up front. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Our promise is not success or money in the bank or prom, uh, position here on earth. Our treasures are lying in heaven. Our treasures are lying above. And we are guarded here by our Lord. And that's something that we forget a lot. As, as I said, the, the, these early Christians were being starting to be persecuted by their neighbors their friends. It makes me think back um, during World War II and the Holocaust when the Jews were being isolated. They were being threatened. People that they loved, their neighbors, and yet they were being turned against for any reason because they were Jewish. These people were being persecuted because they were Christians. They were followers of Christ. And this is something that's not going to change. This is something that we will receive. Again soon, and my promise or my my question to you: Where is your hope? Is it on the people you know? Is it on your position? Is it that which you're able to do, or is it in your Lord, who will sustain you? My my, my mom has heard me talk about this story before. Uh, I love missionary stories, and Darlene Dyalberg Rose, one I talk about a lot with her. She was a missionary during War II in New Guinea. And she, she was captured, put in a, put in a camp following uh, in, uh, the Japanese warriors. And she was separated from her husband. Her husband died. Uh, he had been dead six months, three months, and it, uh, since she had found out that he had been killed in prison. She was still teaching the gospel. The day that she found out that her husband was killed, the base commander who she had witnessed beat a man to death, he knew that his, his, uh, her husband had passed away and says, it's okay, you'll go back to the United States, you'll, 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 you'll find someone new, it won't be long, you'll go back to movie theaters and life will be good again. And she says, can I speak freely to you? She's being tormented by all this, and she still has the time and forethought to share the gospel with him. She tells him, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and whether or not you rely on him or not, he's there for you and will forgive all that you've done. He walked away crying. She said she had to ask permission to leave the room because he didn't come back. She had made a a commitment to him. We need to know that, that we are protected here. She was put into a jail cell later on and it was death row. And she's watching out through this window and she's seeing somebody with banana, all she's been re eating is just rice porridge for weeks and weeks and weeks. And she sees somebody sneak some bananas through a bush outside and she prays, Oh Lord, why can I, can I get a banana? I just want a banana. And then she thinks, how is God going to give me a banana in these four walls? There's no one here. And then here comes this base commander coming in to visit her, and he's heartbroken, hurt. She'd been beaten so much that it turned her hair white, and she was mid-20s. And she tells him, please tell the people back home um, that I have a different hope. They'll understand. It's not about what's going on with me here. They'll understand. And he was taken aback by it. And as he left, a few minutes later, the, a guard came in and said, the, the general wanted these for you. And he brought in a bushel of bananas. She counted them, and there were 99. And she... Uh, She cried and say, I'm ashamed that I didn't give you the power that you deserved. And we need to think that same way, that there is nothing our Lord can't do. We have to have that same hope that he is always guarding us. These people hearing Peter's word are being comforted, knowing that God is keeping them safe. It's not a perseverance Of the saints, as some would say. This is God actively preserving the saints. We don't keep ourselves, He keeps us. We don't keep ourselves, He keeps us. Draw comfort in that. As the world falls apart, as even your personal world around you could fall apart, rely on that that he keeps you. And as he continues on in in his letter, in verse 6, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. A short time, what an odd place to put that word, a short time in suffering. I can bet any one of you, as we started out earlier, that when you had troubles in your life, it did not feel like a short time. It felt like an eternity. Yet Peter's making us realize that we have an eternity with our Lord. And the suffering we have is a minuscule amount compared to the joy that we are getting ready to have. That's why he says rejoice in that. Too many times now in in our society, in our world around us, we want to quit too soon. And he's telling them not to. How many times have we heard or seen fellow Christians fall in line with secular society because it was easier? How many times have we heard people leave marriages because it was easier? There's commercials on TV you can see right now. uh, It was a credit card commercial. We're saying, oh, you can get out of this real easy as the girls getting ready to walk up to the idol and just talking about a credit card, but it makes it sound like it's the wedding can be canceled real fast. We are a quit easily society these days. I will openly and honestly say to you if, I had, if Kim and I had done that, we would not be here today. We stuck through things. We put our faith in our Lord. In fact, the Lord is what changed us. So that we can stay here today after 33 years of marriages and not 10. We rejoice in that. For a short time in God's plan, attorney awaits us. Maybe whole and pure by his grace, you will suffer grief in various trials. This is what the prime motive of this letter, dealing with the possession of Persecution of Rome, pagans, secular people, because of the following of, of their loving Christ. That's what brought their persecution. And I ask you today, when you're not in here, how strong is your faith? How firm will you stand upon, I'm a follower of Christ? It doesn't mean to beat your chest, it doesn't mean to draw the battle guns out, go to war. In fact, Peter doesn't do any of that in this letter. I encourage you to read the rest of this letter. He doesn't say, come pull up arms. He doesn't say, start protesting in the streets. He doesn't say to do any of these things. He doesn't say to go challenge. He actually says, go follow the government. Do what the government says, but still follow your Lord and don't confuse the two. If you're a slave or you're working for someone and they're terrible people, Do the best that you can because your Lord is holy. That's the character of a Christian. It's not to constantly change, but it's to know that your Lord has put you where you are and to do what he has asked you to do in the place that you are. Endure under God's grace because our true home is with him. Verse 7, proven character. Our faith will grow strong through the trials by clinging tighter to the living hope of Christ. It's the struggles that make us strong. I don't know if you've ever seen some of this. There is an old art process that the Japanese used to do. They would make these beautiful artistic vases that would take months and months to make that they were spectacular, then they would break them and go back and interlace gold in the cracks. They've made it anew. They destroyed their creation and put it back together with gold. God does not cause evil to happen to you. The world is evil in itself. God does not tempt you. But he does put us through some trials to draw us closer to him, to lean stronger on him. I, uh, it, it, it is the challenges, not the ease of life, that make us stronger. And as we move forward, we need to always remember that. And as a result of this, praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. He pulls it right back to Jesus. Everything that we do is about Jesus. Everything. And we need to make that the forefront. All through Luke, if you uh, go, have done your Bible studies and look through that, all Jesus talks about is the kingdom of God. He's not trying to rally up troops. He's not trying to do anything like that. He's saying, get your direction on God's kingdom first, and all things will follow. I was talking about Kim and I before. That's what changed our life. We redirected our hope and it was more me because I was the one causing the problems. That I stopped trying to fix everything on my own and I was working the AV booth one night at a revival And the pastor who was coming in, he said, if you're having problems with your uh, work, focus on God first. If you're having problems with your marriage, focus on God first. If you're having problems with your kid, focus on God first and all things will follow. It doesn't mean it cleans up or wipes out the earthly junk you created. That's always there. But you are healed working forward. In our Sunday school class, I talked about what the Uh, Jesus had taught the first disciples when he sent them out for the first time not to take up uh, uh, a second cloak or a walking stick or any uh, provisions of any kind of let the people that uh, they come to. And it was meant for them to rely upon the Lord that will always provide for what they need. And we need to remind ourselves that same thing that our Lord will always provide for what we need. These are encouraging words by Peter. That struggle and strife, pain and suffering for followers of Jesus will experience. But but they will also endure it by keeping their faith in Jesus. It's not our own will that pushes us through. We may think that. And if we do pursue and get through things, because there are are many people who have gotten through persecution on their own will, but they are lost without Christ. That's the end of the line of their hope when they get out of that struggle, if they did it all by themselves. That's it. That's the end. When we walk through the fire and the turmoil, and the strife of this world, and we have Jesus on our side, once it's over, we still have Jesus. We still have a hope. And that's the encouragement for us today. Our focus isn't for here and now, but rather the glory of being in the presence of Jesus. It's tomorrow. And the holiness in the days to come. Just as I opened up this, Sermon on. Just as Peter encouraged the Christians in the church of Asia Minor, it is the encouragement we need today. We were bought with a price by the blood of Christ. In fact, if you go look at 1 Corinthians 7.23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of people. Think long and hard about that. You were bought at a price. Blood was spilt so that you can live. Do not become slaves to people. Do not be the hypocrites who who claim to be followers of Christ, yet, yet do not follow his word. Stand true to what God has called us to be, and that is abiding in Christ in all things, not following what we want to be. Remember who you are, a new creation with a living hope. And when you are... And whose you are. Who you are and whose you are. It's hard to say. Fast, but who you are and whose you are. Then face the ever-changing and persecuting world, knowing that you are guarded by God, saved by Jesus, so the faithful will live for all eternity in God's kingdom. I didn't do a ten-minute, but it was a little bit longer. But... As we wrap up today, I'm going to say a prayer for us and we'll do an invitation. Everything about our life has to focus with God. It's not putting God in a box, not pulling Jesus off the shelf when we're in trouble. It controls every moment of every day. John, the one John who wrote the gospel in first and second, third uh, John, he was known known, uh, 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 as thunder he, had, he, he was had a temper with him, and because of Jesus, he was changed. You want to see what that change was like? You read the first part of, of, of when he meets Jesus, and he said, and the, the town refuted uh, Jesus' teaching. And John will say, "Put rain fire down on them; they don't deserve you." This was the same John later in in, in his letter, First John, at later in life, who was changed by Jesus. Changed as a new creation, they will know us by our love. God does not want us to be anger and persecuting. So as I told the Sunday school class earlier, the beauty of John is clear. It's either you're saved or you're not saved. You're in the dark or you're in the light. There is no middle ground. You can't just be good enough to earn your favor in God's eyes. You have to have Jesus. You have to have him at the sole center of your life because without him, we are all lost. We are all put in the grave never to come up again. And because of that. So let's, let's close in prayer. Beloved Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being able to come openly, publicly, to be able to praise your name, to sing glory to you, We know that there are people across this world that need to be uplifted, who are doing things in the shadows because of persecution. We pray and uplift them. Give them strength for another day to do your work and your will. I pray for this congregational, Lord, as they continue to do your work in this community. Let them do it with love, forgiveness, and compassion, the same way Jesus taught us. To remove our own personal preferences, to follow your personal preference of how we as your followers, your ambassadors are to live in this world. To have the character of Jesus in all that we do. We thank you for this encouragement and may we continue to spread this encouragement with others that we know. May we brag about Jesus for all that he has done for us. I thank you for this day. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.